how's your fast and your prayer time going? Prayer, fasting, come on, work with me here, prayer. Fasting, right? And they go together, right? They go together. And uh, even if you got off to a rocky start, that's okay. Just uh, start over. There's a, we're only a third of the way through, if not even that quite yet. So you still have time. And some of you are all, some of you all are like, hey, yeah, we're in the middle of this fast and you're doing this fundraiser at Texas Roadhouse. Pastor, isn't that a little unfair? Sorry, I don't make up the dates for these things. So uh, that was the date that they provided for us to do this. Uh, so as I said last week, you have a cheat day. Although cheat is not the right word to use. Uh, you have a grace day, okay? You have a grace day. So today, take that grace day today and go to Texas Roadhouse and maybe eat something that you've decided to, to otherwise fast. You know, I'm not eating beef, of course, so um, I won't be eating a steak today, but I'll be eating something good. Um, I'm not eating bread, so I probably won't eat bread. But hey, see, look, I can still go and eat some things even though I'm going to stay on the routine because I know myself. I know myself. If I give in one day, it's hard, right? It's hard to get back on the bandwagon. So if you're like me, you can still go. And, but if you're like, I can't eat anything, Pastor, well, take a grace day, all right? But uh, let's fill that place, just not all at the same time. <laughs> I think I'm going to go a little bit later today. Anybody else? So you miss the rush and whatever. But, but anyway, we are going to start a new series today called Growth Track. And uh, Growth Track is uh, really just repackaging a lot of what we have in our membership class. How many of you have ever been through the membership class? How many of you have not been through the membership class? Well, over the next couple of weeks, you will go through the same information that you will go through in a membership class. Um, and therefore, if you choose to be a member of Cross Community Church, after this three-week series is over, it, the next month in February on the 19th, I believe it is, we will have a discipleship class that talks about the specifics of membership uh, goes through the membership covenant and goes over a little more in detail as far as our beliefs and things. Um, so if you're interested in becoming a member of Cross Community Church, all you have to do is attend the next couple of weeks or watch them online if you can't be here for the next couple of weeks and then come to that class on the 19th. And that class, by the way, will happen during the discipleship hour. So it'll be 9.30, say 9.30. I, I know that's early for some of you. Because some of you, you, you drag in here a little bit late during worship. I, you don't think I notice, but I notice, you know? We notice. Because we start out and it's like, man, where's everybody at? We get through worship and it's like, where did everybody come from? Right? So uh, the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about growth track. We're going to talk about uh, membership. We're going to talk about what we believe. Yeah, how many of you realize that it's always good to remind yourself the beginning of a new season, a new year, what your beliefs and your values are, yeah. Yeah? yeah? And to maybe revisit your original vision, what, what you really feel like God has purposed you to do, well, that's true individually, but it's also true of any organization, and specifically, in our case, it's true of a church. We need to revisit what God's purpose is for us. So on the screen, you see a graphic with three words, and I want you to say these three words together with me. Number one is discover. 
discover. Number two is the word journey. And then number three is the word explore. And so we're going to talk about these words and the meaning of these words over the next couple of weeks, but more importantly, what these words represent. Because these words represent a lot about who we are as a church. And perhaps you're sitting there going, I'm new here. I don't even know what this church believes in. Well, you know what? You're here at a good time then. Because you're going to find out over the next couple of weeks who we are and what we believe in. And you're going to learn a little bit about our history. You're going to learn a little bit about our statements of faith, as well as our strategic statements of, here's what we want to accomplish as a church in this community. So we also have a few icons that go with these three words. So if you guys bring up the next screen. Under the word discover is, is a compass. And what do you use a compass for? Direction, right? To give you a sense of direction. So you know where true north is, right? And then you go from there, correct? So as you see here, this is sort of a purposeful path, if you will. And it starts out with discovery. It starts out with here is the direction that this church is going in, or here's the direction that my life is going in. Then next, the icon on the right of that, above journey, what are those? Those are hiking boots. Yeah? Anybody like to hike? A few of you. All right, we're gonna put our hiking boots on, spiritually speaking, over the next couple of weeks, and we're gonna journey together through this material, but know that, big picture, we are on a journey together. Yeah, even though we may come together only a couple of times a week, and some of us maybe only once a week that we are together like this, we are still on a spiritual journey together. Yes? Yeah. Right? And uh, so we're going to talk about that. Then on the right, a set of binoculars. Binoculars are important because if we are on a journey together and we have a sense of direction, um, one thing that's important is what we see. What we see is very, very important. Binoculars enable us to see something that's at a distance up close and personal. Yeah, how many of you like to go to a sporting event, like a baseball game, a football game, and you get out the binoculars? Why do you do that? Because you want to bring what's happening out there up close and personal. You want to see it with more clarity, right? You want to see it with detail clarity. And so that's what we're going to do as we explore together. All right, so what we believe is so very important. And uh, I like to begin the year, of course, talking about prayer and talking about fasting, but also talking about vision casting, vision casting. And the word vision, you know, we, we have to understand that prophecy, most of prophecy is talking about what's in the moment. Because prophecy, the word prophecy, literally, if we interpret it, is truth, and it's communicating what is true, right? Now, there is prophecy that foretells what is to come, but, but that is very little in comparison to what is, what is right before us. How many of you know if you want to achieve something way out here, it's going to require you to do something now? You know, we sang a few moments ago in that song, now here, now here. That's because God is here right now right? And in order for us to go where God wants to take us, we have to allow him to be God right here, right now in our lives. Amen. In us individually, as well as in us collectively. 
So when it comes to vision, one thing that I've found about vision is vision leaks. If you could picture with me a bucket, okay? And there's a hole in the bucket, okay? Vision leaks out that hole in the bucket. And, and that's true of any organization. It's true of our own lives. How many of you, you set off to do something and right out of the gate, you're like, yes, I'm, I'm accomplishing something only to get two thirds of the way in and then lose steam. You've never done that before. Okay, there for a minute I was, am I alone? We set out sometimes like gangbusters to actually get something accomplished. I'm gonna change this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do better in 2023, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat better, I'm gonna exercise, I'm gonna, some of you have said that. The problem is that some of you have already fallen off the bandwagon. Yeah? It doesn't take long, does it? Why is that the case? Because what we saw that could happen, vision, what we saw that can happen isn't happening. Why is that? I think that in part it's because we don't stay focused on the main thing. Yeah, and so as a church, it's important that we stay focused on the main thing. What we believe, our statements, our mission, our vision, our values, our objectives, those are the main things. But vision does leak. Matter of fact, I read an article about vision leaking this week. You know, it's a, vision leaking is actually a phenomenon where people or organizations forget the vision that has been communicated and they need to be reminded of who they are and why they exist. So the beginning of every year is a good time to do that. But in this article, Vision Leaking, the author said, when he's talking to a group of pastors in this article, he says, you've repeated your vision to your church a hundred times. Then someone will ask a question that makes you think, what happened? In other words, somebody will say something and you go, they didn't hear me. They weren't listening or they haven't gotten it, right? And the author went on to say that you can spot vision leaking by listening to three things. Are you ready for this? This is interesting. The first is you can tell whether vision is leaking or not when you hear the prayer requests. What are we praying for? That, that says a lot, right? Now, I will tell you that this week, and it wasn't my doing, by the way, in intercessory prayer, we were praying over our objectives. I didn't instigate it, did I, Cheryl? But we were praying over our objectives, and I was like, yes, yes. But one of the ways that vision leaks is when our prayer focus shifts on what we should be praying for, and it's here, there, and everywhere. How many of you know you're never going to hit a target if you don't aim for it? Come on, those of you who shoot guns, do you just like load your gun and just start shooting your gun? Absolutely not. That's dangerous for one, right? You're aiming at a target. That's what we're talking about this morning is creating a target for ourselves and say, we've got to aim at this target in order to move forward as individuals, in order to go forward as a church. So prayer requests is the first. Stories and testimonials is the next one. Are we hearing enough of the activity of God to let us know, hey, we are actually accomplishing our vision? Sometimes yes, sometimes no, right? How about what people complain about? If people complain about the wrong stuff, then vision is leaking. People have forgotten what it's really all about. A question that most leaders ask themselves 
And question that they really present to others is, what can I do to make sure that I am communicating a compelling vision that truly reflects the heart of God for this church? And I ask that question on a routine basis. And that's why we began the year with prayer, fasting, and vision casting, talking about what we're looking at today. And that's why it's vitally important. Let's go to our mission first. How many of you remember our mission? It's simple. It's very simple. It's a little more challenging to live out. Yeah? It is, say it with me, loving God, loving people, a place to believe, a place to belong, and a place to become. That's our mission. That's our mission as a church. Where did you come up with that? Well, you know what? I'm glad you asked. It comes right out of the word of God. It, it comes from the great commandment, all right? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right there. Go to the next slide if you will, guys, please. Great commission also. The great commandment and the great commission. See, they go together just like prayer and fasting goes together. The great commission is, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Mission. It's very clear. Have we accomplished that yet? In part. In part we have, but not in full. The same is true of our vision statement. Go to that if you will upstairs, please. Our vision statement. And I want you to recite this after me. Some of you, it's been a long time since you've said this. Some of you, this is the first time you're hearing it. If you're new to our church, this is maybe the very first time you're hearing it. Let's say it together. To represent Christ becoming a community of worshipers who celebrate, connect, grow, serve, and reach others with his love and healing. Amen. That's a great vision statement, friends. Why is it? Because it's rooted and grounded in the mission that God has given us as a church. That's what makes it great. What makes a mission statement great isn't wording. It's the heart of the statement. Yeah, and where does that statement come from? That statement comes from who God says we are as a church, right? And it comes from what he says in his words about who we are. Those five words, celebrate, connect, grow, serve, and reach, they're in the Bible. You know how they're written in the Bible? Different terms. Worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, evangelism, right? All, it's in here. And that's why we need to live it out because he says we need to live it out. How many of you realize that the mission, your mission, my mission, all of us, really, the bottom line, can I bottom line it for you? To know him and to make him known. Amen. To know God and to make him known. That is truly, truly the bottom line of what I'm saying today. If you don't hear another word of what I'm saying, and if I went off of some of your facial expressions, you're not hearing too much of what I'm saying right now. Some of you are, some of you are not. But if you don't take anything else away from this message, take this out of here today. My purpose, my main goal in life should be to know him and then to make him known. That's the bottom line for every believer, friend. It's the bottom line for the church. Now, I have a little sticky notepad here. And these things are the greatest inventions. <laughs> yeah? Seriously. I, do you use these? I use these all the time, you know? 
this, I don't, I, don't rem, I don't remember who like came up with this idea, but the guy, gal, they got to be a millionaire by now, I mean, it's, right? I don't know if 3M was the first to do it. I have no idea. But this particular sticky note has something written on it. How many of you have heard Ohio for Jesus? Yeah. We, if you've been around here very long, you've heard that. If you've gone to any, any Ohio Ministry Network conference or camp or event, you've heard it because it's spoken about it, everything, right? And, and it's important that we as an Assemblies of God church are a part of what our district says is important, our ministry network has said, Ohio for Jesus is more than a slogan. It's a way of life. It's a way of life. We want to see Jesus just totally overwhelm Ohio. We want to see more souls saved. We want to see more churches planted. We want to see leaders developed, right? We want to see the mission field truly, truly plentiful with missionaries out telling different cultures about who Jesus is. Right? That's what Ohio for Jesus really represents. But I love this little, this little notepad because here's what it says. This has a stick. <laughs> a little play on words. But what are they talking about that has to stick? The vision. The vision, friends, has to stick. That's what this notepad, it's a humorous way to say, if we give all of our pastors this, maybe, just maybe, they'll remember what's important to us as a ministry network. Guess what? It works. Maybe I'll make some of these for you guys. Yeah. Vision doesn't stick on its own. It loses its adhesive after a period of time. That's why we need to be reminded of who we are and what we believe and that's, that's why I want us to go back to a passage of scripture that we have embraced, fully embraced around this place. I, I, it wasn't first quoted when I got here. This has been a part of our DNA from the word go, right? But I, since I've come, I have regularly quoted this passage of scripture and I have taken us back to this passage of scripture. We gotta stay focused on this passage of scripture. We gotta read this passage of scripture. We gotta pray this passage of scripture. We gotta live this passage of scripture out. Do you remember what that passage of scripture is? Zechariah 4.6. Can you read it with me? This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You see, what God is asking us to do, we can't do without his Holy Spirit. Possible. All things are possible with God, but nothing of any value, any worth, that's going to be sustained can occur if the Holy Spirit isn't powering it. Yeah? That is certainly true of us as a church. So when we look at this growth track and we see the words on this growth track, go to the next slide. Go, 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 go. There it is. Finally, our computer must be sleeping up there this morning. Notice I said computer. I was nice. Just this week, I saw a humorous meme on Facebook, and it was this guy, and he's turned around like this, and he's all grayed out completely grayed out. Everybody else around him is in color, but he's all grayed out, turned around and says, this is what happens when someone turns around and looks at the sound man after something goes wrong, he turns into a pillar of salt. <laughs> so I've determined I'm going to be nice to those who are upstairs because they're serving us, right? They're not perfect, just like none of us are. If you think it's easy, go up there. <laughs> 
God's honest truth. I've told this story. Matter of fact, I, I saw this friend a few weeks ago when I, when I did a funeral in Dayton. I saw him, and the first thing I said to him, I said, I have used your line so many times. He said, he's a, he's a pilot. He flies big planes. He's flown like 747s, right? He's a pilot. Well, he was one of our techs at the church where I was on staff. And one time he told me, he said, he said, Pastor, he said, I tell you what, he said, I am more nervous when I'm in this sound booth than I am when I'm in the cockpit of a 747. <laughs> so it's not easy to be up there, okay? It's, it's a little more challenging than what you might think it would be, especially when you're trying to follow a guy like me, all right? So what we have on the screen here again, discover, journey, explore. Say those words with me again. Discover, journey, explore, okay? So here's what I want us to see. We have to start out understanding what is the original vision, I've said this before. I think we have to rehearse it. You realize that our church this year, 2023, we will turn 114 years old. That's an accomplishment today in today's world. 114 years old. Our church started in 1909. If I did the math right, that's 114. Yes, right? <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. 114. So it's important for us as we go forward to realize where we came from as a church. And in order to truly embrace what God has for us in the moment and what God wants to do in us and through us in the days to come, we have to remember where we came from. Because the DNA of a vision for any church is in the inception of that ministry. Are you with me? See, God doesn't change his mind about his purpose. When God calls somebody to plant a church and to do something, that vision needs to stick. Yeah? So even though we have morphed and become quite a bit different than what the church was when the church first started out, I think it does us a, a lot of good to go back and say, so what was the inception of the church? Well, it started, our history started in 1909. And we have a slide, and some of you have seen these pictures over and over again. Some of you, you're seeing it for the very first time. The couple on the right, the Gordons, John and Eliza, they came to be educated. They were immigrants from Scotland. They came here to America to be educated. After they finished their Bible education, they moved here. They moved here for work. Sometimes that's the way God guides us, right? And we go, well, I'm not even sure why I'm, no, no just trust in God's guidance. You are where God planted you. God doesn't make mistakes like that. Right. Boom, where you're planted, right? But this couple on the right, I don't, sorry, I don't remember their son's name. Right off the top of my head, I forgot his name. But John and Eliza, they came to Illyria for work. They started a Bible study in the upstairs of a saloon. And back in the day, they started a lot of churches in bars and saloons. I find that to be rather ironic. The spirits were flowing during the week. And the Holy Spirit was flowing when the churches were there. Yeah? A spirit of another kind, right? But in a short period of time, they went from having a Bible study in the upstairs room of that saloon to moving into this big, what was called the Huntington House. It was a mansion that was owned by a prominent family in this community. And it was in disrepair and 
thought, what's the chances of us getting this? I mean, I won't take time, but it's a miracle in the first place that they were able to move into that place. Actually, it's multiple miracles that took place that allowed them to be in that place. And do you know that that house actually was a place where people came? Many of those people, they would get off of the trains right down there. This was on Bridge Street, right down by where the railroad tracks go through Elyria, okay? People would get off of trains and make their way there, not even knowing why they were going there. Isn't that amazing? Now, that's interesting. Somebody's calling me right in the middle of service. But that, that is an amazing aspect of this faith home. It's the fact that people would go there and they're like, I don't even know why I'm here. I guess I need to be here. You know what? There are many, many people that were nursed back to health who were physically sick, mentally sick, spiritually sick, and they nursed them back to health through prayer, through fasting, through the work of the Holy Spirit. There was a vision there, friends. If there was not a vision there, that could not have been done. Without a vision, people flatline, right? People perish. There's one particular Bible translation that says they run amok. They run wild. In other words, if there's not vision, people will find a vision and they'll make their own vision. And that usually doesn't end too well, right? But they had vision. And a part of who we are today, the DNA of this church goes back to that. Is this church about healing today? You better believe it. You better believe it. Pastor, what about you? Do you? I, I have the gift of healing. It's whenever the Lord decides to use it. How do I know that? I know that for a fact because I've seen God use me in that way. He's used many of you in that way. You've laid hands on people and they instantly were healed. There's no other, no other explanation for it. But it's whenever he says so. It's whenever he does the work through us. We are the tool. We are his hands and his feet. The last I... The last I checked, my hand doesn't just go do something. <laughs> no, I, I have to initiate that. If I'm going to raise my hand, guess what? That's initiated here, right? And then I do it. My hand doesn't just go over here, over there. No, right? That's true of the church as well. God guides. He directs. He empowers. We'll talk about that more in the weeks to come. But our history is rich, friends. It's rich. And then we moved to this plot of land here in 1955, I think it was. And this building was done in 1956. Well, not exactly. This room and part of that hallway, but everything else was added later. I tell people who come in the church for various reasons, they're like, when was this church built? And I said, in the 50s. And they said, well, it doesn't look like it was built in the 50s. That's because we built around everything that existed before, right? But this, this room that you're sitting in right now was built in 1955, 56, finished in 56, I believe. So God has been involved in this church from the word go. And he's still involved in what we are to accomplish here. Amen. Do you believe that? Yes. Is he done with us? No. I pray that no one says no to that. How many, of, how many of you believe that God has greater things in store for us in the days to come than where, where we've been and what we've seen up to now? I'm not, I'm not necessarily comparing back to what was. I'm just saying for us in this room, how many of you believe that God can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine possible according to his power that is at work in his church? Amen? So it's about discovering. I want to know God more. You want to know God more? Yeah. Do I know him? Yes, I know him. Do I know him as much as I want to know him? No, I don't. How about you? Is that true of you? 
Even this week, I was thinking about this thought. I want to know God more. I want 2023. I want to grow closer to him. I want to become more intimate with the Lord. His power to to move in my life. I, I want to see God do the kinds of things that he's promised that he would do in me and through me and this church. I want to see that. But it's going to mean that I have to grow. I have to become more like him. I want to become more like him. In fact, I was thinking of the old song, man. Some of you are like, I remember that song. It was a great song back, I don't know, 40 years ago or so. It's a great song written by Steve Fry. He said, oh, I want to know you more. Deep within my soul, I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you, to feel your heart, to know your mind. Looking in your eyes stirs up within me cries that say, I want to know you. I want to know you more. I want to know him. I don't want to just know him. I want to know him more. Man, how about you? How about you? You say, I want to know God more. I want, I want to be challenged in that regard. I want to know him more in this next year. That's why, friends, the word believe goes with what we're talking about here. That's why during worship, the Holy Spirit would not let that word. Matter of fact, he prompted me to come up sooner than, it, than, he, than I did, and I was disobedient. Not really sure how that ended up messing things up, or I don't know. But anyway, he wanted me to come up before, but I was like, I couldn't get Chris's eye at the right time. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. He would not let that word go because it's vitally important. We must believe. Well, pastor, that's in your message. That's probably why. No, no, you're missing it. God was drilling something in my spirit during worship, and that is we, you and me, we've got to believe. We've got to believe in order to discover what God has in order for us. We have got to believe. We've got to. And we've got to believe that this is a safe place for us to discover what God has in store for us, right? You know, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. There have been a lot of people that have quoted that. But I think actually the first person that was actually, that should have the credit for that is Alexander Hamilton. I think he's the first to articulate that. If you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. That, my friends, is why our beliefs, our doctrine is so important. I'm going to kind of feather this a little bit. How many of you have watched football over the last couple of days? Look at Clint back there. He's like all... Uh, man, he came ready to play. Stand up, Clint. Go ahead, stand up. He's got his Bills jersey on. You know, here's what I'm going to say. I give Clint credit because he was a Bills fan when they stunk. There's hope for you Browns fans in the room. So keep those jerseys. Don't throw them away. Because Clint had that jersey on even when the Bills didn't look so good. But the Bills are, are going to make a run for it this year. I'm convinced of that, right? But they got to pass my Bengals first. That is, if my Bengals get past this game today. So we'll see. We'll see. But if you watch a football game, they don't play offense just one quarter and then switch and go to defense the next quarter. And then special teams, oh, that's all the second half. That's not the way the game's played, is it? The offense, the defense, and the special teams are playing every single quarter. Things are layered. And that's what I'm going to be doing even with this message. I'm layering our mission, our vision. Our, I'm, I'm layering what we believe. And so I'm only going to give you a few of our doctrinal statements real quick right now. Okay, just a few. Okay, here they are. The first one is this. The first one, and, and we have them summarized on the screen. 
Because that's, that's how we present it, because it's a lot to swallow. We have 16 fundamental statements, okay? That's a lot to swallow. But if you can categorize them like this, God's word and the one true God, God's plan for man, God's plan for the church, God's, uh, God's church empowered by the spirit, and God's plan for the future. So we're just going to look at one or two of these real quick. Can we do that? So here's the first one, the Holy Bible. Everybody hold your Bible up if you brought it, or your phone if you're using a phone. Just go ahead and come on. Come on, work with me here, right? You got to have your sword, right? Either it's electronic or paper. It's a sword, the sword of the Lord. Because we, we, this is now a compass, a sword, an alarm clock, um, a day timer. Um, what else? Our, our camera, everything. <laughs> Jeez, that's kind of scary. So many things in one place, isn't it? Oh, Lord, don't let it break down and don't let me leave it behind or, get, you know. But this Bible, friends, listen, we believe that the scriptures are verbally inspired of God and are the revelation of God to man, the infallible, authoritative rule for faith and conduct. The Bible is our all-sufficient rule for faith and practice. The Bible is inerrant, without error. It's infallible. It is inspired by God. And we have a couple of passages of scripture. I won't take time to read them, but you can, take, you can snapshot a picture of them or you can write down the addresses of these verses. But friends, that's where it all starts. This is the plumb line. Everything that we believe should come from here. Well, I, I have a new revelation I'm gonna write. No! It's gotta come from here. We don't add a dot or a tittle is what it says. We don't add anything to this complete. Our lives will continue the testimony of what is spoken of here. The word is the word. Amen. We don't add or take away anything from this at Cross Community Church. If you want to write another Bible, friend, you're going to have to go somewhere else. Right. <laughs> it's the Bible that we are going to conduct ourselves by in this house. Man. Amen. So the Bible, the holy word of God, the inspired truth of God. Then the one true God. The one true God has revealed himself as the eternally self-existent I am, creator of heaven and earth and the redeemer of mankind. Eternally existent in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you are listening to anybody preach or teach and they don't, reference the fact that there is one true God, run from it. The Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? A triune God. We believe in the one true God. And also, there's some scripture here that I'll pop up for you, and you can take a picture of that or write it down. Deuteronomy 6.4. I'll read that one. That's a short one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God Lord is one, right? And then the passage below it shows that he is a triune God doesn't say that we're baptizing them in Jesus' name. Some people out there will tell you that. It's not what we teach here. We baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because that's what our Bible says. Amen, church? How about this one? This one is vitally important. The deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. This one will make or break. This one is a pretty good litmus test as to whether someone is a Christ follower or not. How many of you have heard people who are a part of another religion say, well, you know, Jesus, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Jesus was a good prophet. It's not about whether Jesus is a good prophet or not. See, it all comes down to, to, to this. It all comes down to the fact that he, 
he is and was born of a virgin, right? He was born of a virgin. And go to the next slide there, guys. I'm just going to kind of cut to the chase here because here is where the rubber meets the road. His virgin birth refers to his deity, his sinless life, his miracles, his death on the cross, his bodily resurrection, his exaltation to the right hand of God. And again, there's a lot of scripture there. It, don't try to write all this down. I'll make it available. We have some flyers and things that we can get in your hands, okay? But let, let me just say this, friends. We need to know this. I'm not saying we have to have every passage memorized. I don't have every passage memorized. But what I'm telling you is that we have to know what we believe. Because if we don't know what we believe, we, we can be swayed to believe something other than what we should be believing. And we need to believe in the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not just one or a couple of those. No, we need to believe them all. Right? That's the bottom line of our beliefs. What you do with Jesus matters the most. There's a lot of people out there, they'll talk about God, God here, God there, right? But get them to talk about Jesus and see where they stand with Jesus. Because that's where the rubber meets the road, you see? What do they do with Jesus? What do they say about Jesus? And then God's plan for man. God's plan for man. And that's a big statement right there. How many of you realize that God had a perfect plan for man? It's called the Garden of Eden. All man had to do was obey. One simple little, one simple little line. Just stay away from that part of the garden. Stay away from that tree. You would have thought that they could have listened, but they didn't, right? Adam and Eve, they had a perfect environment, right? Perfect environment. In fact, it says it right here. It says man was created in the image of God, but as a result of his sin, incurred not only physical death, but also spiritual death. But there's hope for mankind. There's hope, and it's salvation, right? And we know, most of us in this room, we know that, don't we? But how many of you know it's not enough that you know it, but you need to share it? See, part of this process of discovering is learning not only for yourselves, but how do you tell someone else about Jesus? How do you lead somebody else to the Lord? So you not only need to know it for you, but you need to know it so that you can give direction to someone else. Have, have any of you ever been questioned about directions? Can you tell me how to get to so-and-so? And you go, well, um, I could take you there, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know that I could tell you how to get there. Have you ever said that before? And, then, and they're look, by this point, they're looking at you like, really? I guess I got to go to the next person, right? Well, if you go down this road, I think it's the second light, you turn it. No, 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 wait. No, it's the third light. And then you jog. You got to know. Or you're no help to them, right? And again, now that you know every verse in the Bible, we don't. We don't know every verse in the Bible. There's not a person in this room that knows every verse in the Bible, I doubt that there's a person in this room that knows every passage from Romans Road and can quote it. If you're in here, I want to applaud you for knowing that. See what I mean? My point exactly. But we know where to find passages of Scripture. And we can, with spiritual GPS, know how to direct people on this journey, right? This journey of discovery of who God is 
And, and, and so this whole thing about plan of salvation is about us coming to know Jesus, but it's also about us making him known to others, helping others understand who he is. Now, you know, really coming to Christ is pretty simple, is it not? It's admitting that we are a sinner in need of a savior, yeah? Because after all, he is a perfect God and we are not. We are fallen and separated from him. Because of Jesus dying on the cross, Jesus makes a way, he takes our place. He's the propitiation, the substitutionary sacrifice for us that allows us to enter in relationship, enter into relationship with Jesus, right? So we admit that we need him. We believe, we put our belief in him. We confess that we need him and that, that he is faithful and just and he will forgive us just once, not twice, over, over and over again, right? That we can know him, we can accept him, we can confess him as Lord and Savior, that we believe in our hearts that he died on the cross and he resurrected from the grave, that we believe that and that we confess, hey, I have made him Lord. That's what makes you a follower of Christ, is that you believe that and you proclaim that. It's that simple. Now following him, living for him, a little more of a challenge, yeah? Hello? Is it not a challenge? So I'm not going to promise you a bed of roses because where there are roses, there are thorns. Where there are dreams, there's nightmares. Right? I mean, we live on a fallen planet. All of that doesn't just go away, but everything becomes new on the inside. Matter of fact, it says that in Scripture. All things become new. That's here, right? So, friends, it's not about just you knowing this, but it's about you helping others know this what you believe and why you believe it. Again, I'll go into more of our beliefs next week. But I'm out of time today. Matter of fact, I have more to this message that I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna cut right now. But I do wanna finish with this story because I think the story and the closing of this story says so much with clarity about what I've just been talking about the last few moments. After a few Sunday hymns, the church's minister slowly stood up and walked over to the pulpit. And before he gave his sermon, briefly introduced a guest minister was in the service that particular Sunday. In the introduction, the pastor told the congregation that the older guest minister was one of his dearest friends. He said he wanted to give him a few moments to greet the church and to share whatever the Lord had laid on his heart that was appropriate for that service. With that, the elderly man stepped up to the pulpit and began to speak. Father, his son, and a friend of his son Sailing off the Pacific coast, he began. A fast approaching storm blocked any attempt to get back to shore. The waves were so high that even though the father was an experienced sailor, he could not keep the boat upright and the three were swept into the ocean as the boat capsized. The older man hesitated for a moment, making eye contact with two teenagers who were there. And as he made eye contact with him, he went on and continued his story. He said, grabbing a rescue line, the father had, had to make the most excruciating decision of his life, to which boy he would throw the other end of the lifeline. He only had seconds to make that decision. Father knew that his son was a Christian. He also knew that his son's friend was not. The agony of this decision could not be matched by the torrent of the waves. As the father yelled out, I love you, son, he threw out the lifeline to the son's friend. By the time the father had pulled the friend back to the capsized boat, 
His son had disappeared beneath the raging swells into the black of night. His body was never covered. This time, the story, these teenage children that he had made eye contact with were sitting straight up in their seats, (laughs) waiting for the rest of the story, if you will. Father continued. He knew his son would step into eternity with Jesus and not bear the thought of his son and his son's friends stepping into eternity without Jesus. Therefore, he sacrificed his son to save his son's friend. How great is the love of God that he could do the same for us. Our heavenly father sacrificed his only begotten son that he could be saved. I urge you to accept his offer to rescue you. Take hold of the lifeline. And with that, the old man turned and sat back down. Pastor walked back up, shared a message, gave an invitation at the end of the message. Really little to no response. And these two boys that he made, that the elderly man made eye contact with during his story came up to him. That was a nice story, they politely said. But I don't think it was very realistic for a father to give up his only son's life in hopes that the other boy would become a Christian. Well, you've got a point there, the elderly man said, glancing down at his worn Bible. Sorrow began to overtake the old man's smiling face as he once again looked up at the boys and said, it sure isn't very realistic, is it? I'm here today to tell you that I understand more than most the pain God must have felt to give up his only son. For you see, I am the man who lost his son to the ocean that day. And my son's friend that I chose to save is your pastor. Now, I cannot validate that this story is true, but it nonetheless is a powerful story. And I think it does capture the essence of the love God has for each and every one of us in this room. He would give his only begotten son for you and for me. It's a love that we can't fully understand, but we know when we've experienced it. Church, would you stand with me? I'm going to end this message today with, I'm going to end with an opportunity, if you don't know Christ, to come into a relationship with him. It's what we believe, who we are, to know him, to make him known, that all of us will follow him, and that we will also follow his promptings to tell others about him. There are people in your life that only you have access to as a believer. In other words, there may be people in your life that if they don't hear about Jesus from you, they may not hear about Jesus. If they don't see Jesus lived through your example, they may not realize who Jesus really is. That's why what we believe in our vision is so vitally important. Yes? I want to challenge you to take this message today. Chew on it. I know for some of you, it's, that's a simple message. It's a salvation message. <sighs> Friends, we got to be about the basics. Making him known. Knowing him and making him known. That's how we see a harvest of souls. Is that the power of the Holy Spirit works through my life, your life, to make a difference in another life. In hopes that that life will be transformed in the same way that our lives were transformed. For some of you, there are people that the Lord has prompted you. Share my love with them. Share my love with them. Friends, don't ignore that. Step out. Take a risk. And say, I'm going to do it regardless of the outcome. I'm going to obey. So Lord, I pray, God, that even at the end of this message, 
Lord, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice today that doesn't know you, that they would say yes to your love. A love that we can't even, we can't necessarily articulate in words what that love is really like. But we know when we've encountered it. So Lord, I pray God that right now if their hearts are being drawn to you, that they would say yes to that love. And that they would simply say, I admit, I I am fallen and I am separated from God, but I want to know him. See, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's a gift. But you just need to receive that gift of eternal life. So right now, wherever you're at, say, Lord, I receive that gift of eternal life, life everlasting. I'm sorry I'm sorry that I, it's taken me this long to realize who you are and to realize why I was put on this earth and that is to know you, to serve you. But today is the day that I make a decision to follow Jesus. So Lord, I pray that you would take all of the sin of my life, take it away and forgive me of every sin that I have ever committed For I choose to walk with you. I choose to welcome you into my life. Not just as an add-on, but Lord, that you would take the throne of my heart, the throne of my life, and make the difference in my life that only you can make. Again, forgive me. I'm sorry for living life the way I wanted to live it. And I say yes to you. I confess that you are Lord of my life. I confess it because I know in my heart of hearts and I believe in my heart of hearts that you died for me and that you resurrected, that I could have life in Christ Jesus. So I accept that. I accept that truth right now and I confess it in Jesus' name. And Lord, for everyone else in this room, I pray that you would give them the boldness, the boldness and the courage given the opportunity to tell others about your love, to demonstrate the love of Jesus in tangible ways. So Father, give us that courage that we need to live out what we believe. Give us the vision to go forward in our relationship with you, but also in helping others to know what we have experienced. And we ask this all in the mighty and powerful in matchless name of Jesus, amen.